Hello, beautiful listeners. I assume you're beautiful. Welcome to the four seasons of epic fantasy. I am Thomas. I'm Leah. I'm Raphael. And I'm Jeremy. And I'm Donatello. No, sorry. I've just been so tempted to bring up the Ninja Turtles every time I'm here. Thanks a lot, Leonardo. Do you you use size in battle? Do I use size? Size. Oh, sides. Didn't you hear him? No, not sides. Size. What Raphael uses in the Ninja Turtles. I know. for For some reason... I've heard like three different words. I heard I heard word. sides, and I'm hung, super hungry. So I was thinking of like KFC sides, like coleslaw. Do you ever use coleslaw in battle? And I was like, I, I don't know, maybe. Um, and then I heard size, like I'm a really tall person. I'm like, I would hopefully be. And then and then I heard scythes. I'm like, I've written a book where the bad guy uses a scythe. <laughs> and then I understood what you said, and. That would be really cool if I did. That and all the while, you <laughs> sighed. I, I heard you I sigh. thought you meant... <sighs> uh-huh. I used those in battle. Like a sigh. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'll swing again. my sword. So by the way, listeners, this episode is about war and what leads up to war. And, and uh, rebellions. And rebellions and, and revolutions. And fighting and stuff. And fighting and stuff. That's so... Right. Viva la revolution. So, ladies and gentlemen, what causes a society to start killing itself and each other? Well, Jeremy pointed out a really good fact. Whether you put the butter on the top or the bottom. Butter side up, butter side down. Mm-hmm. That's right. Cultural differences. If you're different, elaborate. Your Jesus isn't my Jesus, so I'm <laughs> going to kill you. Yep. <laughs> or, hey, how about, uh, do you want to be a Christian? No? Okay, death. Death, yeah. Hey, do you want to be a Muslim? No? Okay, death. Hey, do you want to be an atheist? There's no, okay. there's so yeah. many political Maybe. topics that we could pick from from like 2021 that we could use. True. But uh, you know, not to become controversial on our podcast. Well, we don't have to. One one thing that is universal, whether you you prescribe to any political philosophy, is that power tends to consolidate to itself into fewer and fewer people over time until. The power has shifted so much from certain groups of people to a smaller group of people that the larger group of people eventually gets fed up with it, or they might not be the larger group, but anyway, and it breaks into violence. That is one. Now, there are different methods that different groups like gain more and more power. Um, I think, uh, Raf, you mentioned earlier, Raf, Raf? I call you Raf. Is that Raphael? Raphael? <laughs> <laughs> Hola, my name is Raphael. Hola, ¿cómo estás? ¿Está bien, Itigo? Okay, anyway. <laughs> that was cute. <laughs> what did I mention earlier that you wanted me to, to rediscuss? Um, religion is one thing that can lead to war. I think you said that. Well, okay. One of the fascinating topics that I've been going back and researching is the fall of... He smells toast. The the guys <laughs> that <laughs> fought in the name of Jesus, the Crusades. The Crusades? They, they fought in the Crusades. The Knights Templars? The Knights Templars. 
Um, there was another group that uh, it's it's the ones that were kind of rivals to them. I'm oh, to uh, the hosp- the, are you talking about the hospitaliers? Hospital te- yes, yeah, the fall of the Knights Templar, you know, and kind of the, the hospitaliers rise. It's very interesting because it um, the Knights Templar they had a lot of wealth, and the current king at the time he Philip. owed them. Yeah, he it wasn't Philip. I think it was was it Philip? I think I'm pretty sure it was Philip. Okay, one of the Philips. Don't don't quote us on this one. He owed the Knights Templar a ton of money. And so he didn't want to pay it back. Instead, he used the Pope to push a ton of pressure for them to be disbanded and started doing, like, basically our modern-day version of, like, social media slandering, saying that, oh, these new Knights Templar to, you know, their induction ceremonies, they have to spit on the cross and, you know, speak the name of the Lord in vain. And they eat babies. And they eat babies. Like, all these crazy things. And yeah, people started believing. Yeah, and so and people started believing it. And the Knights Templar were like, hey, what the heck? What's going on? And uh, they started, you know, putting these guys to the, to the stake. and Friday the 13th. Yeah, it was it you know it was just absolutely it's chaotic and so they disbanded they they the pope um you know was goaded into disband to saying hey you guys are done you're going to separate we're going to put all these different ones you know to the stake we're going to kill them and all of your money all of your wealth is going to go over to these hospitaliers guys and they uh they're like hey sweet thanks and uh the Knights Templar, the ones that weren't killed, they went over to, like, Scotland and... Yeah, there's rent. some sort of, like, a, uh, I can't remember what the order's called, but there's a remnant. There's a, there's a remnant of it. It's a new order. It's it's called, like, the, the, the Knights of Christ or something. I don't remember. I'll have to go and research. But it was very fascinating because oftentimes when we read fantasy or we want to write fantasy, we want to, you know, immediately go to the biggest thing. World ending, you know epic armies of the biggest proportions destroying each other, you know, Lord of the Rings style, you know, Sauron versus the the armies of Aragorn and whoever wins controls everything. Extreme good versus extreme, good extreme versus. evil. And, you know, although that's really fun, and I tend to do that a ton with my fantasy, <laughs> and I will be the last one to deny that I don't do that basically in all my books, but... Um, you know, the Knights Templar, that, that whole situation, it wasn't an uh, ending of the world situation. It was the ending of an order, of a group, of a sect of people, of a religion. And it was a persecution that was political and religious and it was a, it was a, and economic. And it was an interesting combination of all three. And so you, you can take from examples like that and implement, you know, similarities into your own books. It's really interesting. Well, I also want to point out how profitable war is for the winning side. Actually, for the middlemen, for the middlemen, the the, the ones that produce the weapons that. um, Well, I mean, one reason that we we don't go into a big open war in in planet Earth as we used to is because um, people started learning. You know, most of the time, trade is way more profitable profitable than war. Mm-hmm. Economic manipulation is like the modern version of war right now. Yeah, yeah but, but if you take it to a fantasy level, for, war is going to be really profitable because it generates so many jobs. It generates jobs, and the winning side, as well as the middleman, they make a lot of money off of it because they basically get to keep what they conquer. So talking about uh, touching on that as well as the growth of power structures... Um, so, for example, like the Roman Empire, this is a really good one, um, they kept growing and they kept conquering more people, but here was the cycle that they got stuck in. They would go to war and they would promise their soldiers lands, land and money. And so they pay their soldiers land and money, but then because they went out fighting, they need more land and money, but in order to get more land and money, they need more soldiers. 
And so it just kind of made this cycle of like, if you ain't growing, you're dying. Well, and it caused them to stretch out way too far. Uh-huh. They were too spread out, and that's what caused their own collapse. Yeah, but the thing is, that was that was the model they were using. Was at, and I, I mean, who knows if even they were real aware of this bigger bigger pattern that was going on. Of we got to pay our guys. Okay, we got to take more land to pay our guys. Okay, we got to hire more guys to take more to land. To take more land. <laughs> well, yeah. revolutions, you know, the second you hear the word revolution, you think, you know, revolutionary war, you think these big things, but you can shrink that down to something as simple as, hey, you work for a uh, factory where you work in a line and you're making, you know, mechanical components for a vehicle. And you and your group of buddies and your coworkers, you know, get fed up with the corruption within the middle management that supervises over your shift. And it causes you guys to have your own rebellion, which is, in this case, uh, a mass walkout or you... you, you Forming a union. Uh, form a union. Or, mm-hmm. you know, and, you, and you, you take those base concepts and you can grow them out to something as big as... as and those are collapse. Yeah, and those are um, not. I mean, not in the negative senses of the word, but those are you know forms of violence. Right. Force exerted against something to make a change. So yeah, that's what I'm yeah. saying. You, you you can always bring things back down to the basic and use that as the root to start off whatever you're going to write. Because going back to the Knights Templar, um, the king, it was because he didn't want to make payments. Yep. <laughs> he was he was in, he was in debt, and he was like. I don't want to be in debt, so uh, can we frame these guys as heretics? And next thing you know, you know, you're destroying an entire religious order. You're killing tons of people. You know, it just revolutionizes, you know, religious movements. Yep. So kind of not, not just talking about war in general, but talking a bit more about revolutions. We have a lot of examples in fiction that uh, paint revolution in a very good light, and especially from an American viewpoint, because... That's how we, you know, we saw ourselves like, oh, those dirty, rude, British taxing all our stuff, and um, so let's throw their tea. Let's in throw their the tea water. and and shoot them. <laughs> but anyway, more often than not, in fiction, it's often shown in a good light, especially because you're following the perspective of the main character who's kind of leading that revolution. Yeah, you've got Star Wars, you've got things like Mistborn, where they are the plucky heroes fighting against the corrupt regime, and it kind of goes back to that very black and white mentality. But what happens a lot in history with revolutions, sometimes it's a, a disgruntled minority that starts getting violent. Sometimes it's um, like, for example, the French Revolution, um, it looks from the outside like the poor rising up against the rich. But it's not as you, glamorous. As yeah, it looks. if you look at the historical, like the historical record of people who were instigating it, you had different rich people or moderately rich people or people who wanted to be richer riling up the poor the against the other rich of the people. war that don't actually participate in it. Like, there's a yeah. lot of revolutions in history where it just rulership just changes hands. I mean, it just really takes a little bit of propaganda to somebody that doesn't know better. In war, everybody gets their hands dirty, and everyone views themselves as the good guy in their own internal story. You know, reality is a lot more muddled than it is in, you know, sparkly fiction or fantasy. So that's why, you know, a lot of people argue that Game of Thrones is an incredibly good story because uh, George R. R. Martin, he, uh, he tried to make all the characters seem like they believe themselves to be the good guys of their situation. Yeah, which, except for Littlefinger, he knew. 
<laughs> well, you, you, you got to have a couple of, of sociopaths here and there, right? Yeah. But um, for the majority, most people aren't, you know, chaotic sociopaths. They genuinely believe that they are the good guys of their story. I mean, you look at political leaders throughout the world right now, or past political leaders that we've had, um, current political leaders, everyone believes that what they're doing is the correct thing and it's the best way forward. Mm -hmm. And a large portion of the populace will say, no, that's horrible. We hate you. A large portion of the populace say, we agree completely. So it's just a lot more complicated. Yeah. Going along with that, it's interesting to look at um, various groups in the Middle East comparing themselves to the rebels in Star Wars and they see countries like the United States of America as the big technologically advanced um, external power trying to control them. Now, granted, I don't want to put a blanket statement on the sentiment of any, any area of the world. I'm just saying there are some people there who think that. And I'm not saying it's just, I'm not saying it's the terrorists or whatever. It's, it's, it's very mixed up. But just that. Concept. Everybody loves the underdog. And so if you're going to have... If you're going to have a revolution, you have to have the underdog, and you have to have something that that people are going to rally behind because it's 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 their cause, and that's that's a big one. Uh, if you've got a big enemy over here, uh, everybody wants to rally behind that underdog that's leading the charge against that big bad enemy. It, it kind of reminds me of uh, what is it, Hunger Games. Uh -huh. uh, where um, the books have been out for a while, so I'm. I haven't the finished the series. Am I am I allowed to spoil anything? <laughs> I'll, I'll say it in this way. That's without a spoiler. I one thing that I really enjoy, especially when you're following the, the main character who's the underdog, uh, to add complexity and more realism to the story. I really like when the underdog, whoever's leading this revolution, starts to question: Has the ideals or the vision that began this revolution become corrupted or changed over time? to something that's no longer what they originally were fighting for, then they have to like have that moral questioning of, of where they're going with this and if they're still doing the right thing or if they should stop and give up for the sake of morality or, or whatever. You well, know? and it's like, okay, we're going to have a revolution because this evil government is hurting the innocent. And then they turn around and in their path to get rid of that evil government, they start they hurting, the hurting the innocent. Or they yeah. establish an even worse government or... Any number of things, you know, like you, you've seen that with, with even with religions, you know, hey, for the sake of religion and for the sake of spreading love and unity, we're going to kill millions of people. You're like, well, that's not really spreading love and unity. Like, we're well, we're forcefully spreading love and unity oh, now. The, well, you know, if you kill everybody, that'll get you world peace. <laughs> so it's like, where do the ideals and the visions, you know, where does that shift happen? You know, I, I really like stories that not only give like easy blanket statements for, hey, this happened and it became corrupted or it's a, a quick explanation, but they really dive deep into how that's, you know, that corrupted over time. It's, that's a lot of fun to see. Makes it real. I think one, so one final question to close us off is when do you guys think war or revolution is justified? I think any time there is a people who are being oppressed and treated as less than people, if they have to become violent to be seen, then I, I think that's justified. I think any reason could be the case. If it's, it's like an itch. You scratch it for long enough, it becomes a rash. And if you scratch it for longer, it becomes a wound. So any reason could theoretically lead to revolution and war. I mean, we've seen people go to war for really simple things. We talked about in the other episode um, about wars due to spice. 
and due to food. Um, due to the, the spice. spice. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's where you can make it a unique story, you know? What about you, Go Jeremy? When do you think war or revolution... You, when do you think you're justified to start killing people? <laughs> I've always been under the... When you're self-defense, protecting yourself, that would be the threshold. Is if you have to protect yourself, that would be where I think it would be justifiable. Um, I don't see any other reason other... I mean, we, we like to make these things so glorious and wonderful, but they're not. I mean, it's weird to think of the toll that it takes on everybody, uh, not just the losers, but the winners. Those winners that were in the front lines come home kind of broken because they've seen things that no one would want to see. It's, it's never really a good reason unless you're really there to protect your family and protect you because something is threatening. Sorry, it's a little more uh, simplified version for me, but that's kind of my opinion on, on, on war in general. I think most of them are not beneficial and don't really help. An example of a story, how about that? My favorite book that I've talked about a couple of times in, in our thing is Dragon Doom from McKiernan. The whole premise of this is the humans trick a dragon out of a dwarven cave and kill the dragon. So they take all the, the loot that the dragon has stored in these dwarven caves. They take it home, lose almost everybody. One ship makes it home because there was just horrible seas, just lots of problems. So they bring this treasure, it still fills their little, their little keep pretty full with a lot of treasure. The dwarves come that were chased out of those caves and want their treasure back. Of course, it's complex because both sides are just totally wrong in this. It should have just been, hey, let's share, let's, let's do this. But neither side was going to budge. It was, I want all of it because this was ours first and then the dragon took it. And this guy's like, no, we took it fair and square because we killed the dragon and then took it because it was, it was ours for the taking. And... It shows the horrors of war. I mean, it's these plainsmen going against dwarves, and both sides lose horrific amounts of uh, troops, people, and then the dragon joins in, another dragon, because he likes the treasure, and he actually goes and takes it while they're busy fighting, <laughs> and then he comes and messes with the armies because oh my he gosh. was mad that they killed the dragon that was that means there's going to be a hierarchy shift in the dragon world, and he's going to have to defend himself as top dog. There's a lot of complex issues in here, but I really like that it didn't paint that as something amazing or great. At first it did as they were rallying to go to fight because, I mean, the whole cause of the war is the prince and the prince of the dwarves, uh, the humans and the dwarves, they, they had an exchange in the dwarven capital where the prince threw him one coin from the treasure, and that's all you're going to get. And so they started fighting, and then one of them slipped on the coin, and they happened to accidentally stab each other when the one slipped on the coin. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, I think there's just wow. so many reasons that war happens that it's because someone wanted something, and it was unnecessary. It's very rare you see a real good reason to ever go to war. Well, like philosophy goes hand in hand with war because war in it of its own doesn't do anything. It's like trying to burn down a forest with fire. You, you do it, but a new forest is going to grow even wilder and stronger before or trying to, you know, shoot a bunch of weeds in a garden with a seed gun. <laughs> On the other hand, war is great population control. <laughs> Not to sound like the most horrible person in the room, but... This coming from the lady that was talking about cannibalism earlier. Current library patrons, the time is 8.30 and the library will close in half an hour at 9 o'clock. 
here in the stacks, please start to make your final selections and head towards the checkout counter. If you're on the computers, please start to save your work and do your printing because the computers do automatically shut down at 9 o'clock. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> that was amazing. we got to keep that in there. That was cool. <laughs> we're we're going to get kicked out of the library soon. Yeah. All right. Well, we were about wrapped up, weren't we? Was there any yep. other thoughts? Yeah, we were wrapping up. Yeah. I was just mentioning population control and getting <laughs> called out but, for writing the about other cannibalism. Thing <laughs> you think about is it, it makes good literature. I mean, it, it, people want to read this stuff, and yet it's... It's funny that that is the case. I'm sure at some point in my story, there's going to be a massive war. And Mind it's you. just going to happen because... Um, That's all, all these cultural pressures. Uh-huh. There's so many things that are, are leading up that are building up to it. It could be different reasons. It could be someone just pushing it, like we talked about with the propaganda earlier. It could be... I mean, there's just lots of reasons, uh, yeah, just to stop the world from ending <laughs> in, in, in some aspect is a lot of what fantasy is why you have these big battles yeah um, yeah it's it's interesting so I think the moral of the story is we like watching people fight no I don't know and That's swords are reading cool. about it and swords are cool yeah. <laughs> swords are cool swords are cool but there is there is a, when it comes to storytelling um, violence is um, awesome. It needs purpose. Well, it's not just awesome, but it is the identification of obstacles and the exerting of, like, force to remove those obstacles. And that, like, whether you're watching a sports movie or a war movie, that is, is something that we appeals to us. Gives you the underdog to rally for or yeah. to cheer yeah. for. So, all right. And I think with that, we'll wrap it up. This has been the Four Seasons of Epic Fantasy. Please make sure to give us a like if you enjoyed this, and if you have any questions or want to make any comments about the material that we went over in today's episode, please do. Please let us know what your favorite war that you participated in was. <laughs> or watched. Or, or read. Watched. Or played in a video game. That's true. Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. Peace. Have a good one. <laughs>